0: Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been ministering on this message, and we've, we've been calling it the standard, and we've been talking about the things that I believe the Lord is wanting us to apply to our life, church, that are uh, foundational things, they're, they're cornerstone uh, uh, parts in our faith. And they're things, church, that, that if, if missing in our life, we will find ourselves uh, really, really in a, in a tough spot, in a tough time. Because we need the Lord in everything that we do. And the Bible says in his word, church, that he has given us everything for life and for godliness. Amen. Do you know, church, that you lack absolutely nothing if you remain in him? I said, you lack absolutely nothing if you remain in Christ. <laughs> you lack absolutely nothing if you remain in Jesus. Amen? That's the truth of the word of God. And when Christ is is the forefront of our life, when Christ is exalted in our life, when we hide ourselves in him, when we spend time in the presence of God, when we spend time in his word, church, when we spend time in prayer, when we spend time communing with the Lord, we are forever changed. And we are equipped, church, to handle anything that the enemy would throw our way. You are equipped in the presence of the God, in the presence of God. That is where he, he strengthens you. That is where he gives you everything that you need. That's where you find, church, the, the, the sustenance that you need. That's where you find, you know, just the provision. That's where you hear from his voice is in time in his presence. How many of you prayed today? Raise your hand if you prayed, amen. I pray it wasn't just for your meal that should be by default. But, you know, those prayers are kind of funny to me. I remember years ago when I, when I used to teach Sunday school, I taught Sunday school for a few years. And, and when I was a, a youth pastor, I believe, I, I, I had a privilege of teaching Sunday school. And, and it was awesome. And, and one of our, our volunteers or one of the people in our classes, he, he was bringing uh, donuts and he was bringing, you know, like coffee and milk to the class every morning. And he asked me to pray for it. And I remember looking at the donuts and the coffee and the milk, and I was like, you know, I don't know if God can bless this stuff. I don't know if he can bless something that he knows is bad for us. I don't know if he can make that thing that's, that's bad right, even though we know it's bad. And I remember just kind of using that as an illustration that morning to talk about prayer and to talk about, you know, uh, being in agreement with God's will. Being in agreement with the word of God. Being in agreement with the plan of God. And understanding, church, that the Lord is so powerful in everything that he does. And his plan is perfect. His will is perfect. The things that the Lord has planned for us, church, no one could imagine. There's things that the Lord will provide in your life that you have no idea how the Lord got you to that point. But you're just thankful that he did. And you're just grateful that he he made that way. And there's things in, in your relationship with Jesus, church, that I can guarantee you will never understand how the Lord got you where he got you. But all we need to do is be thankful. Amen. And so the last couple of weeks I talked to you about the word being the standard. When you know the word of God in Hosea, it talks about the people being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It talks about God's people being, being literally, you know, taken captive. That word destroyed actually uses other phrases. And it talks about being bound and captive and, and held in bondage because they do not know what it is that God has said over their life or they do not know what it is that the Lord has established their life to be. And I could say that for many Christians, for many believers, when we first come to Jesus, we don't know all the authority that we possess. We don't realize as a a child of God what it is that the Lord has actually provided for us as a child of God. But when we open the Word, and when we read the Word, and when we know the Word, and when we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and when we hear the voice of the Father, and when we hear the voice of Jesus, now all of a sudden we are equipped, church. That when that whispering voice of the enemy tries to come into your life to deceive you, to try to tell you something about your identity, to try to tell you something about your plan or the will of God for your life, you can distinguish the difference between the voice of the Father and the voice of the Father of lies. But if you are unequipped with this standard, you will never know the difference. We all hear voices, amen? Somebody say amen. That makes you just as crazy as I am. But the Holy Spirit is always speaking. The Holy Spirit is always speaking, church, and we have to be sensitive to his voice. We must be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so tonight as we continue, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit being the very standard. If any of you know about the life of Jesus and you saw the way that Christ lived his life, he lived in perfect obedience to his father's voice. Jesus lived in such a way, church, where the only thing that he had to survive was literally the voice of his father. He said, man should not live by bread alone, but by what? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Jesus made that his life. He made that his mission that wherever he would go and whatever he was faced with, whenever a demon was attacking somebody, whenever he was, you know, praying for the sick, whenever he was about ministering church, he did not do anything, the Bible says, unless he heard his father tell him to do it. Amen? He did not say anything that the Father did not tell him to say. He did not do anything unless the Father told him to do it. That is a life of obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I pray for you and I tonight, church. I pray for for you and I that we would live in that same way. That when there's two voices speaking... When the enemy is trying to to pull us from God and He's trying to deceive us and lie to us and say all these different things, we would shut out His voice and we would understand the Father's voice. Jesus Himself said, My sheep know my voice. If you spent time with Jesus, you know his voice. I've shared this story before, but I'll share it again when I was First dating my, my, my wife, uh, we weren't even dating yet. We were like 16, and she couldn't d- date until she was 18, which is uh, a pretty, I didn't think it was a good rule then. <laughs> but I am the father of two daughters now, and I think it's an excellent rule. <laughs> it's crazy how life changes, right? Perspective changes. But I remember I used to call her house, and uh, her sister would answer the phone, and uh, this is back when, you know, we actually had, like, landlines at our houses, you know, and, you know, people, people had, you know, beepers and things like that. And I would call the house, and I remember I'd, I'd hear this voice, hello. And I was like, hey. Hi. I'm like, how are you doing? Good. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I just start having a conversation because I think it's her. And two, three, four, five minutes into the conversation, her sister would start laughing, and I'm going, like, What happened here? And she's like, ah, you know, she's like, it's, it's Erica, it's not Mandy. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <sighs> I was deceived. Then I would call again and again and again, and, you know, we'd have other conversations. And I would call, and her mom would answer, Sister Irene, the senior pastor's wife. And she would do the exact same thing to me. And I'd have a two, three-minute conversation with her mother thinking it was her. Because they they had this ability to be able to just make their voice sound the same. And I remember it it bothered me a lot because I was like, man, you know, I I don't want to say anything wrong. This is really weird. This is awkward. And kind of got scared calling the house, you know. But after time and after having a relationship and after growing in that relationship, And after hearing her voice so many times, after having so many conversations before and after church, I could distinguish whose voice I was talking to. And church, the time that you spend in prayer, the time that you spend interceding, the time that you spend at the feet of Christ it makes his voice that much more distinguishable. So when the enemy tries to say something, and he tries to twist his words, or he even tries to mimic God because he does that, you know that, right? The Bible says that even the devil masquerades as an angel of light. He will try to sound like your Father in heaven. He will try to sound like the Holy Spirit, but he can never replicate it. And the closer you are to Jesus, the more that you have a relationship with the Father and you live in response to the Father's leading, you will be able to tell who is who. And you'll be able to walk in obedience according to the Father's leading. John chapter 16 verse 13. I want to read these verses to you tonight. If you have your Bibles, open them up. John 16 and 13 says, but when He, the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Verse 14, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and he will make it known to you. Verse 15 says, and all that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So just as Jesus spoke what the Father said, so the Holy Spirit speaks into our spirit what the Father has said. There is no translation lost, church. I said there's no translation lost. It's not like, ah, I didn't really understand what he said. Or maybe the Holy Spirit said something different than the Father. Or maybe he's saying something different than Jesus. No, there's no translation lost. There is zero confusion, but the Holy Spirit church will speak that of what is spoken and he will make it known to you. I say this because it's crucial for every single believer to have a relationship with Jesus. We don't have a relationship with the church. We don't have a relationship with religion. We shouldn't have a relationship with simply just being in attendance, but we should have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We should have a relationship with the very voice of God. In order to walk out the plan and the will of God in your life, in order to walk in the power and the authority and the abundance of God, we need to follow the Spirit's leading. Amen? The Bible says to stay in step with the Spirit. If we are not in step with the Spirit, we're merely following our own flesh. We're merely listening to our desires, our our ways, our thoughts, and all of these things. Here's what I love about the Holy Spirit, church. In those moments when, uh, of prayer, when you're interceding for somebody, how many of you have ever prayed for somebody, right? You know, maybe the Lord puts that person on your heart in that moment and you begin to pray over them. The Lord will put things in your life. The Lord will put, you know, a, a specific prayer in your heart in that moment. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you, Amen. And after you've prayed, after you have interceded for that person, you know, you see the effects of, of how the Holy Spirit told you what to pray. How the Lord was leading you in that moment so that you knew the right thing to say. I believe that even when we intercede for somebody, the Holy Spirit will give you something to, to say or, or the Holy Spirit will remind you of a promise that that person that you are praying for will live and not die. Or that person that you are praying for, that family member that you're praying for will be saved. That relationship will be restored. And guess what, church? It's confirmation for what will happen. Let me go back to that verse again. I want you to hear that one more time. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you of what is yet to come. That means that the Holy Spirit is going to tell you in advance exactly what God is about to do. But our job as the believer is to believe. Our job as a, as a, as a child of God is to actually believe what God said would happen. Amen? Is this making sense to you tonight? Amen. I wanna, I'm reminded of the story of David. How many of you know the story of David and Goliath? It's such a powerful story. It really is. The Bible says that there was hundred thousand Philistines, you know, uh, set up in the Valley of Elah, and and you know, uh, and there was hundred thousand of the Israelite soldiers, and and they were on both sides of this valley, and for forty days, uh, the, this giant Goliath, he was their their champion warrior. He was the champion of Gath. I mean, he was an imposing figure. The Bible says that he was like nine foot nine. That's probably like me standing on this platform. And he was so imposing, he was so threatening that that he literally held 100,000 soldiers up on a battle line on a hillside and they were afraid to attack him. One man. And he would stand there and he would shout out at the ranks of Israel and he would curse and he would defy their God every single day. For 40 days until God chose to to use a young man named David who had a heart after God. Who actually believed that what God said could be done. You see, there's a lot of people in this world, you say you believe, but when you get in that moment, you shrink back because you don't really know and you haven't really found yourself in these promises and you don't know how to utilize this thing. David, the Bible says that he, he was quoted saying this before he shouted back to, to Goliath. He said, he said, the Lord rescued me from the paw of the bear, from the paw of the lion. And he said, and surely he's going to deliver me from you. And I want us to read these verses because this is, this is so powerful. In, in, in 1 Samuel 17... David now is speaking of what is to come. Just like the Holy Spirit will tell you in advance what is going to happen. Verse 46. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I'll strike you down and I will cut off your head. How many of you know that it was that that was the will of God? That was the will of God. And the Lord is telling you the Holy Spirit is planting those things in your life every single day, church. But the will of God will never manifest until you believe it. I said, the will of God's not gonna manifest until you believe it. Just because it's the will of God does not mean it's gonna happen until you believe that thing and see it through, church. So he says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down and I will cut off your head. He says, this very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And verse 47 says, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saved. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. The Holy Spirit, church, will reveal the will of God for any circumstance. But the action must be made by you. The belief must be made by you and I. The Lord can tell you that your house will be saved. But you have to preach the gospel. Amen? The Lord can tell you that, that the miracle that you are waiting for can happen in your life. That, that God's not, too, 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 he's not strong enough that he can't heal cancer or he couldn't deliver somebody of a disease or restore their life. You have to believe that thing through to see it happen. You have to pray over that thing. I remember the disciples, they were brought this young boy that was, was tormented with demons. And the Bible says that he would gnash at the teeth. He would foam at the mouth and he would throw himself into the fire. And the disciples, they prayed over him, and they were given the same authority that Jesus had. I'll cover that in just a second. But they were given the very same authority that Jesus had, and they prayed over this young man, and nothing happened. And they looked at Jesus, and they said, what should we do? We prayed like you told us to pray. We did what we thought we knew to do. And he says, this demon only comes out by prayer and fasting. You see, there was a different level that God wanted to get them to. And some of you could still be at level one. You don't even pray. You don't even spend time in the word. You don't even spend time communing with God. And yet you want this miracle to happen in your life. David was a young man. The Bible says that he would be out in the wilderness tending to his father's sheep. He would speak to his father. That whole time he was being prepared for that season to kill Goliath. And the Lord is preparing you and I. But listen, church, we have to be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Maybe for some of you it's the action is prayer, it's fasting, it's interceding, it's speaking the truth, it's helping somebody, it's ministering to somebody. 1 Corinthians 2 and 11 says this, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? It goes on to say, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. You see, outside of a relationship, you will never have revelation. Outside of relationship, you will be living off of somebody else's uh, word or relationship with God. I know it's popular nowadays, especially in social media, for people to follow ministries. They follow pastors and they follow preachers and they follow guys that are on television that have, you know, churches that are bursting at the seams and all that kind of stuff. And I know that's a, the popular thing to do. But you cannot live and get to heaven off of somebody else's relationship or somebody else's manna. I said you cannot live off of somebody else's manna. You cannot live off of what they have gotten. Sons and daughters, you cannot even live off of your parents' relationship with Jesus. You have to have a relationship with Jesus for yourself. You have to come to that crossroad on that day and say yes to Jesus for yourself. You have to take up your cross and deny yourself and follow him. It is a personal choice. But in the same way that it is a personal choice, he wants to have a personal relationship with you. The Bible says in Revelation 3.20 that he stands at the door and he knocks. He stands at the door of your heart and he knocks every single day. That if any man open that door, if any man invite the Holy Spirit in, church, he will sit down with him. The Bible says that he will sup with them. That is, he will commune with them. Think of it, church. He loves you so much that you can have the attention of the creator of the world. He adores you so much that you could have the attention of the very presence of God that he would give his attention to you. I have two daughters, and I, I love them they're they are amazing they 're precious and i 'm so thankful for them they 're seven years old and nine years old now and and, and our our nine year old and our seven year old you know uh, took a little while to get here. We call them our miracle babies and 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 we went through It's just a season, you know, to receive that gift of children in our life. But children are always fighting for your attention. And all the parents said, amen. Mom, dad. My girls are outside in the pool on the swing set in the backyard. And, you know, they're they're doing some... Flipping the grass or they're doing some, you know, you know slide down the slide and 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 it's always wanting the attention of their parents to see what it is that they're doing Why Because there's value in attention There's significance in attention if I give you my attention all of a sudden I know that I'm valued by you And I want you to think about this for a second as children of God As believers in Christ, when all of a sudden you can get the attention of the master, you can get the attention of the king by simply saying, Lord. And he would look down on you and he wouldn't ignore you, but he would look to you and he'd say, Yes, son, yes, daughter, I'm here. He would give you his undivided attention so that he could pour into your life. He's always available, church. He's always ready. He's always willing. Nowadays, people sit at the dinner table and all the whole family's on a phone. There's no attention. There's no communication. There's no interaction. The Lord's not on his phone. Amen. The Lord's going to give you his undivided attention. If you would just trust in him, if you would just seek him out. Who knows the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God? I believe we've all ministered to people. How many of you have ministered to somebody recently? Raise your hand. Not as you prayed for them, you, you were preaching to them, you, know, you were loving on them. I've often ministered to people and I know you have as well. And If you've ever heard somebody tell you that phrase, that's exactly what I needed to hear. It's exactly what I need to hear. It's because the Holy Spirit is the only one able church who's able to reveal what another person is going through to your life and give you the words to say to deposit back in their life. See, it's only through the Holy Spirit that this happens. It's not because you read it on the news. It's not because somebody else gave you insight, but the Holy Spirit church will give you that insight at the proper time and he will use you ...as a vessel to communicate a truth to their life, to reveal uh, to them the Father's love and so on. And so it's such a powerful thing when the Lord uses you in that manner. Because I believe it gives you confirmation, one, that you heard right, and two, that they heard what they needed to hear. Amen? So in that moment, you actually get a little nugget from God saying, yes, well done, son, well done, daughter, you, you heard right, you're learning and the Lord wants us to continue on in this every single day of our life. First Corinthians 2 and 12, it says, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Verse 13, so this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. You see, the Holy Spirit reveals to us what we have, and that is authority, church. How many of you know that you have authority? (laughs) How many of you know that you have authority? That's like your father in heaven gave you the keys to the car. It's yours. You have it. You possess it. You can do whatever you want with it. You can go wherever you want to go. You can be anywhere you want to be. He's given us authority, and I need to remind us of this tonight, church. Luke 10 and 19 says, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Everyone say, all the power of the enemy. One more time. All the power of the enemy. He says, nothing will harm you. That was like a really weak amen. Am I talking to believers tonight? No, I said, am I talking to believers tonight? Am I talking to people that actually will believe what the word of God says, no matter what it is that they see and what it is that they experience in their life? Am I talking to believers tonight? Then what does this say? Nothing will harm you. Nothing. We're living in a time, church, where people think that all things are going to harm us. I said, nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. There has to be a point in our faith, church, where our faith overrides our fear where our faith overrides our finite mind to comprehend and think for ourselves. to think there's no way that God could do this but guess what there is a way in his name is Jesus Christ he says that he is the one that strengthens us church to do the impossible if we would just believe If we would just believe. Matthew 10 and 1 says Jesus called the 12 disciples to him and he gave them the authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. I need you to read this and I need you to understand this. Because we get way too used to being captive by the things that we have allowed the enemy to get in our life. And we get way too used to just coping with things and way too used to just be having things go on in our life that we forget all of a sudden that we have the authority to drive out every single impure spirit, every single disease, every single thing that has come to attack you and your family. I'll say it once again, church, you have the authority of Jesus, the resurrected Christ living in your heart today. You've got the authority of Jesus, church. The authority of Jesus. It wasn't just for the 12. I need to just reiterate. Maybe I'll give you a history lesson tonight. It was for every single one that would call upon the name of Jesus. It was for every single person that would bear the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You have the same authority that Jesus himself operated in. He said, and even greater thing shall you do in my name because I am going to the Father. And because he was going to the Father, he sent you and I the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've got what you need. You've got what you need. Second Timothy 1 and 7. We have power. We have love and self-control for the Spirit of God does not make us timid. I have prayed for a lot of people that cannot even open their mouth to tell somebody about Jesus because of fear of what somebody might think about them. That is not what the Holy Spirit does. I said that is not what the Holy Spirit does. There's some people that can't even, you know, share the service that we have going on right now on social media because, you know, I don't want my friends to think I'm too crazy, you know. And here's some, you know, half-white guy up there, you know, yelling and stuff. And no, 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 listen, 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 listen. He does not give you a spirit that makes you timid, but he gives you the spirit of the Lion of Judah. You know that lions aren't afraid of anything? <laughs> I've never seen a lion that was afraid of anything. Well, what was that? Wizard of Oz? Maybe him. But you're not a Wizard of Oz lion. You have the Lion of Judah roaring inside of your life, church, that is so powerful. But when we believe the Holy Spirit, and when we believe as to what he has testified about your life, and in what we believe as to what he has said over your life, fear can't exist. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. When I am in love and in relationship with my heavenly father, no fear can exist. It cannot. There is no room for it, church, when you're holding on to Jesus. This spirit does not make us timid, but it gives us power, it gives us love, and it gives us self-discipline. Every single thing that you need, the power to step on the devil's head, the love to love people unconditionally like Jesus did, and that self-discipline, church, that self-discipline to, to literally, you know, beat your body into submission, because the Bible says that we have to die to our flesh, Amen? We have to die to our flesh, and there's things that our flesh wants to to run to. There's things that our flesh wants to be a part of. There's things that our flesh wants to experience. And and the Bible says that he has given us a spirit church that gives us the self-discipline that we need. That will give us the restraint that we need. And so many, many more gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 and 8 says, To one there is given through through the Spirit a message of wisdom, and it says, And to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Holy Spirit. You see, that standard to live out a Spirit-led life is only available and is only possible through the Holy Spirit. It's only possible through the Holy Spirit. You cannot live in authority and victory unless you're living according to the Holy Spirit. You can say you're victorious and be completely defeated if you're not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You see, this isn't just a mind game thing that we just repeat things that we hear that are Christian cliche that are, that are often said, you know, oh yeah, God's good, God's good. And, and you, you, you don't even know the goodness of God because you just complain all day. <laughs> But it actually has to be something, church, that is lived out, that is walked out. Romans 8 and 12 says this. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. He says, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. He says, but if by the Spirit you put to death, everyone say, put to death. You put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons, and sons of God. Jesus said, my father, my brother, my sisters, my aunts, my uncles, he said, are those who obey. They're those who do the will of God. I believe the Lord, church, has allowed us to endure and has allowed us to go through this season that we have all been experiencing. And I know it's been challenging at times. But I believe that the Lord is allowing us to go through all these things, church, so that we can really get a hold of him. So that we can really get a hold of his spirit and his presence. The Bible says the Lord is not slow as some understand slowness. But he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone to come to repentance. Your yesterday could have been so far from the Lord. You may not have prayed. You may not have spent time in the word. You may not have even thanked God for the things that you had. You may not have you know, even done that today. But right here in this moment, you can turn it all around. Amen? And you can say, Holy Spirit, I trust you. I trust you with my life. I trust you that the very next step I will take in my life, you will guide me. The Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. That means that he's not going to put you on a path, church. That's ever going to walk you off a cliff. He's not going to put you on a path that's ever going to destroy you. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans to prosper you. They're plans for good and not evil. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. This is who God is. This is who the Lord is. And this is that invitation that he is inviting you and I. This is that table that he has set for you and I. The Bible says that he prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. That You could actually be sitting in the presence of God in the middle of a war zone. And be unaffected by everything that's going on around you because you trust in Jesus. I'm reminded of the first martyr. That is the first person that was killed for their faith besides Jesus. In the New Testament, his name was Stephen. And the Bible says that in that moment when there was a literally a cavalry of people that were going to kill Stephen, whom was led by this man named Saul, who later became Paul, who was the greatest probably transformational testimony of an individual in the Bible. The Bible says in those moments when this people were charging Stephen, and they were all charging him with rocks, they were about to take his life, that he looked up to heaven. And he could see the glory of God. And the glory of the Lord was shining upon his face. And he could see the Lord. And as they were pelting him with rocks, as they were about to take his life, as he was about to die, all he could see was Jesus. And the Lord experienced the exact same thing, church, for you and I. the bible says when we were helpless that when we were enemies that when we were those who would have never chosen him he allowed his accusers to say what they would he didn't retaliate he didn't he didn't say any words back he didn't try to get revenge And even though they were about to criminally punish him and take his life unlawfully, the Bible says that no one took his life, but he willingly laid it down for you. And that as Jesus was bearing that cross and as he was bearing the, the, the 39 lashes on his back and as he was being beaten and as he was being marred and transfigured, as his beard was being torn out, as they were mocking him and putting a crown of thorns on his head, he saw you and he saw me. And in those moments when the complete weight of the sin of the world was upon him, church, he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they've done. I don't know about you tonight. But when I think about what Jesus has done for me, church. The only true response that I can give is that I owe him my life. I owe him everything of me. That even when there's a place in my life that I have held back to give him, I owe him everything. And I pray tonight as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, that you would respond to his voice.